0: Welcome to this week's Burst and Garage HP HQ podcast, also brought to you by world's wildest car festival, Summon Nats. I'm here, I'm Jay Benz, and I'm John, why my I, mate? Owen Webb. What's going on, Webster? How are you, mate? I'm really good. How are you? I'm very good, mate. I'm building up very, uh, very much so for Rocky Nats, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, uh, behind the scenes with Jack, our producer, planning doing lots of plans for content and cool stuff. We're going to do at the event. It's going to be great. I'm so looking forward to Rocky Nats.
1: Yeah, me too. It, 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 yeah. I've been mean, obviously doing a lot of stuff behind yeah. the scenes, looking at the entrance and getting yeah. stuff organised for Run Bales. So yeah. Uh, yeah, really, really exciting. So
0: can't Absolutely. wait. For as a country, as a country, we're in a really good position with uh, you know, let's just call it what is the pandemic. So obviously, running an event it's going to be brilliant. You know, um, we can get all our friends in the in the one spot and party and hang out. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Today's a uh, sorry. Tonight's a today. Tonight makes no difference. Whenever you're watching, we just enjoy that you're on. We've got Paul Sant. Paul's one of the obviously greatest car people we've got in the country. Tell us a bit about that, Webbs.
1: Yeah, look, he's a great guy, Paul. He's been around. Um, we'll go into it there. He started. I've known him for probably over 20 years now. Built some great cars. Just unbelievable amount of cars in that yeah. in that period of time. And he's probably had more unveils than anybody else. Between him and Gareth Davies, they definitely had. Over ten each in Paul's yeah. cars, so that's pretty amazing. And uh, he's just moved to a really big new shop, which we'll just this is a bit of a teaser, have him on the podcast, and then we're actually going to do a full interview in his shop, which will be up online in the next week or
0: so. Yeah, awesome. We, there is. I was just about to say, a little birdie told me there's a feature coming on on the tour of Paul's workshop, so that should be great. Yeah, well, I don't reckon we could have fitted it all
1: in in the podcast. It's just so yeah. much. And so we thought we'd go out. and Because he, at any time, he's got between 10 and 15 cars on the build yeah. They're all the time. Full fabrication. And he just
0: builds some killer, tough cars with killer engines. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've also got Trent Nikolich on, who's the managing editor of Car Advice. Now, obviously, Trent does all things to do with giving us, supplying Australian public with news and reviews on cars that are you know, obviously coming out and it's such a, a – I've dabbled in that career before and it's such a – got to stay on your toes all the time because the news is constantly changing. You know, yeah. one minute Holden's alive and the next minute they just press release yeah. – Holden's closed and you, you know these these journalists do a terrific job of delivering the news sometimes staying up till all hours in the morning because the news comes from all over the world really looking forward to a chat with Trent you've known Trent for a long time
1: yeah and the beauty of the like obviously this is a, a sort of a custom car podcast yeah. and some yeah. of that's that but Trent yeah. is a real is a real true car guy he had modified cars back in the day when I first knew him probably 20 25 years ago and so he's he's got that uh, the DNA of the whole car. thing He's, in him. he's one like, of us. Yeah, absolutely. And what he's doing now is it's really important as well. And I yep. actually can't wait to ask him where he sees the future of the industry and, uh, and about the pricing
0: of, uh, of the modified cars now. So yeah, can't wait to chat. Awesome. Also, another person who's heavily involved in car content is Matthew Everingham. We have him on. Yeah. He's going to talk about all he works. Currently does a lot of work for speed hunters, so a lot of people know about that. But we want to talk to Matt about what it's like to capture, you know, he's a photographer, obviously, one of the best car photographers in the country, and yeah, he, he just takes some amazing photos. Let's, let's, you know, we really want to just talk to him about what it's like to take a great photo, what you need to do, what you need to think about, and uh, some of the cool things he's done in, you know, in his travels, taking photos, so. And cool. this, one of the jobs he does is take photos at for for publications, you know, at different years, so interesting yeah. to get his take looking forward, look forward to having a chat with Matt absolutely he's a funny guy too so that'll be, <laughs> that'll be really good <laughs> and don't forget and Garage is doing a $70,000 big brand giveaway if you register at bursongarage.com.au you can get on there and you could win the $70,000 big brand giveaway what do you reckon about that Webby? I reckon it'll be fantastic Yeah, over this shoulder, <laughs> right there. That shoulder there. Yeah, that's it's happening soon. So make sure you get on there and register for that. Burst and Garage are a great uh, supporter of the, the show. And as Webby says, a great Australian company. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Hang on to your chairs. We're getting ready to go. Let's do it. Awesome. Let's go. And auto parts are the best people in the business with over 190 stores Australia wide and over 850 delivery vehicles to get the parts you need to you. You can expect expert service and advice from the most experienced parts people in the game. There's a $70,000 big brand giveaway, and all you need to do is join free at persongarage.com.au.
1: Okay, so tonight we've, uh, our, our guest is Paul Sant from ProFlow Performance. Uh, welcome aboard, mate. Hi, Owen. Thank you. Um, now, look, just for people that um, don't know, I mean, I think most of the people would know you. You've been building quite a few cars for, or a lot of cars for quite a few years. So the first thing I really want to ask yep. you is when did you first get in or how did you get into, into the whole car scene?
2: Oh, yeah, my old man used to mess around with his own cars and stuff years ago. And then, I, I don't know, we just sort of started building our own stuff at home and tinkering as brothers and friends. And, yeah, I guess it evolved from there. And, um, yeah, passion grew for cars. And
1: What was yeah, your, your dad into?
2: Holdens. It was Holden? early Holdens. <laughs> Nothing <Really>? else existed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what did he did he actually like modify them or race them or what, what sort of stuff did he do there? Oh, he had a, he only had a couple
2: of cars in his time, but yeah, his last car, which we still got, like my dad's passed away, but he's got a HQ station wagon, and um, it's got an injected five liter in a turbo seven hundred, and yeah.
0: So where's yeah, that? He started out
2: as a six cylinder three speed.
1: So where's that car? Um, sitting at mum's. Oh yeah. right. Yes yeah. cool. Yes. Yeah. so you've always been out Western Sydney, wayne.
2: Yes. Yep. I've been on the same street for 42 years.
1: ah, and obviously that was where you started your your business. So how long ago did you actually start like building good cars? The first car when I really first got to know you was Anthony Chef, 57 Che. Yep. so is, was that one of your first or first major builds?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, back then, we weren't doing fab work, so Paul Bennett done a lot of fab work on that, but we completed the project ourselves, and yeah, I guess in the show scene, that made a big hit, but other than yeah. that, Mincer was probably one of the first cars in my workshop 22-odd years ago. I sound old now, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it sort of put me on the map, I guess, for tough cars, where Anthony's put me on the map for
1: Show cars, show cars, yeah, yeah. So that, so that's interesting. Two absolute iconic cars, and uh, and yep. uh, I guess iconic people with Tristan. I mean, you uh, he, he would have had some interesting stories with him over the years, I'm sure. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> a a very eccentric person. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. He's a, he's a
2: loved great guy, by, loved by yeah. a lot of
1: people. Absolutely, I love him. He's a he's a terrific guy, and yep. he's been been a real character in our seat, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely, definitely, yes. So with Anthony's car, um, I'm guessing most people listening to this would have, would know that car, but if not, it was a pretty special car like Engine Bay, and uh, it was really ahead of its time, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was. We um sort of built it. We weren't
2: really into the scene big, but we kind of just built it to what we thought, and we were actually over the car by the time we took it to Summonats because yeah. last-minute rush and whatever. Yeah, we got to Summonats, and then, yeah, you were obviously chief judge there and there was the other guys, etc. And, yeah, when you've all seen it, I guess we realised what we had built. And I still remember
1: you dragging people all day to the car in, <laughs> yeah. in the judging hall. and especially, yeah, I guess the, especially the engine bay. Like, it was – I mean, the whole car was good, but yeah. it was really the first car, I reckon, of that really – exceptional engine bay the fabrication but also the engine with the injection on it
2: well. yeah yeah I had hidden injection and uh, yeah i think it was john taverna maybe or one of yep. the guys said definitely oh, I, I seen it drive on the ramps but i don't see how it drove on the ramps yeah exactly i remember there's
1: nothing in the engine bay yeah i remember that so pretty good yeah and then you went on to, oh, you've had plenty of cars, which we might touch on, but you yep. after that, you built a, uh, a really cool 57 convertible, didn't you?
2: Yeah. Yep. i just done a stock resto on that, um, I guess, for something different. But, yeah, prior to that, I had a blown-injected hatchback too. That's right. It was before Anthony's car. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And um, – What's some of the standout cars to you that you've, uh, like, you've had that many, I know, but I'm sure I'm sure you've had a, probably a couple of cars you've really liked or enjoyed the build. What cars have you really liked? Um, I really
2: do like big cubes. That was the XY yeah. with the Hemi in it. Only yeah. because, I guess... It's a perfect Ford because it hasn't got a Ford in it. Sorry, (laughs) Owen. (laughs) But it's just a a high horsepower car that's a usable car. Like, I love show cars and stuff, but I love guys using what we build so Mm. they're not just trophies.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I was just thinking this afternoon about some of your cars, like Sam Carolina's car. Yep. And uh, but then I really love there's two particular cars that you built that I really love, and that was yep. um, Paul Torello's and obviously yep. Milan's L, LJ. Okay,
2: yep, yeah. So, well, Paul Torello's car is pretty special because that yep. car's actually my old car. Oh, Originally, right. that hatchback is a Tarana I built many years ago, cut up, and probably only the roof and quarter panels is the same. But that's about it. But yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, they're both very cool cars. And, yeah, I think I build cars to test the judging scene. And um, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. We, we've butted heads a
1: couple of times, but we're still talking, obviously. Well, no, no, no. No, look, and that's – you know, what's good about that is that you're yep. pushing, the, pushing the boundaries. And yep. as much as I – I tell people, read the rules, do this, do that. So if you want to build a car to actually win, but you actually just build a car that your customer or you want, which I really like. And then that's we've, got to, right. we've got to make it fit then, don't we?
2: Yeah, that's right. But at the end of the day, like I tell my customers, a, a trophy is just a trophy. It's someone else's opinion for your car. If you've got a car in your garage that you don't like, because you built it through a criteria. Yeah. What's, what's the point? point? Exactly. Absolutely. Like these cars are worth, yeah, big dollars now. Mm. And you yeah, have to have what you want, not what judges want.
1: And mm. yeah,
2: people are gonna like it and hate it no
1: matter what. Absolutely. There's
2: always gonna be someone that doesn't like what you've done.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I it's interesting what you said because I very regularly say to people, yeah, that your biggest trophy is your car. Worry That's about right. the rest later. Yeah. The rest That's of the bonus. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You've um, packed up from your place and you've got this awesome workshop, which uh, we've done a bit of a tour of, which will be coming up later in the next, yep. the next few days. Um, what's, what was the story with that? How come you you went to the next level? Oh, I just sort of outgrew home.
2: And I, I think the calibre of cars now deserves a workshop that's, yeah, I guess, like you've got to move with the times. mm yeah, wanted a bit more room, the new shops a bit more organised, like the old shop grew and it was just sort of add ons and Yeah. Yeah. And home is home and work is work now.
1: Yeah. To yeah. some degree. Yeah. yeah. So so you got a great crew and of course I I'm guessing a real special member of that would be your young bloke, Charlie. Yep. Yep. Yeah, what's, what's, he, what's he doing? What What are you What are you gonna have him
2: doing in the future? Oh, he's more into the engine stuff. So, like, he's following my footsteps. But yeah, I, I tell him to try and, you know, fit into everywhere a little bit. I can sort of do bits and pieces of everything, but yeah. more engines and cylinder heads are my specialty, and bossing people around.
1: <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're paying the bills, mate. So you <laughs> are the boss.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. So yeah. um. What's what's coming up in the future? Have you got, I mean, obviously you're gonna. You could see your business is so good, you have booked out for so long. But yep. you you building anything in particular that you want to um, that that'll be really special in the future?
2: Yeah, they, well, there's a bunch of cars coming up. But yeah, we got
1: a '49
2: Ford coming up, which is pretty cool. There's which should get unveiled towards the end of the year, an XE Falcon that I think is pretty cool. Um. There's also a HJ Holden. That's for a female. That shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Could. Um. Yeah. There's there's a bunch of cars getting done. Like we got a, a Monaro that should be pretty special, but that'll be a couple of years away.
1: Um. But yeah, Monaros are coming out of the woodwork for some reason. Aren't they uh-huh. ever? Man, yeah. man, yeah. Just man, if you could bind the body, that's yeah. the biggest thing. That's right. Um. So- it, yeah. So, so if I'm talking to you in in twenty years, which uh, we might be, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> what would you say looking back? What, how what would you say has happened in that in the next twenty years? Oh, bloody hell! You put me on the spot. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought. I mean, do you think you'll be still in that same shop or a bigger shop, or do you think the oh, whole the whole industry will be different? What What do you? If yeah, it's it's hard to know where the
2: industry will go. I, like. 20 years ago, I thought the industry, you know, yeah, to, yeah, in 2015, to yeah. yeah, to some degree. And then, like, yeah, you, you think, how long are people going to keep doing these cars and do they keep coming up? And then, yeah, I don't know, with engineering laws and that always scared people, et cetera. And I don't know, maybe in 20 years, I'll be putting electric
1: motors in stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know about that either. We've had I've had a, a real array of people recently from Holden Design, uh, people working there and, yeah. and people just looking at different, different things how they see the future. And I reckon there's probably, and I've just been thinking about this in the last, last few, yep. few weeks actually, I reckon there's only another maybe two generations that will really want these cars. I may be wrong, yep. just what I'm thinking. What, do you think that or not? Yeah, I was talking about that to somebody the other day as well.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, I don't know, I guess we're in the scene. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that aren't in the scene. Uh, uh, our kid's going to, like, obviously, I've got three kids. One of my kids is into it more than the other two. Um, but, yeah, we will Charlie carry it on to his kids? I don't know. Hmm.
1: Hmm. It's it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? And, and the other reason I, I think that also is because we're just running out of cars. Some of the cars, yep. I mean, I know you've got an XW sedan there at the moment, which five years ago we wouldn't have fixed. We would have just junked. It was that bad. Definitely. Now yeah. people are fixing those. Well, even yeah. those cars are going to run out soon. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I'm just glad to, that we've all been part of it because it's been awesome that The cars are great, the shows have been great, but even more so the people have been great. i met some great people through this
2: Definitely. Definitely.
1: Yeah. I I love it. I just, yeah, live and breathe it, I guess. No, you do. Absolutely. I guess I have to, you know. I'm more committed (laughs) than I've ever been. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. So, look, I thank you for your time tonight, but um, we've done a little bit of a tour of your workshop and looked at some of your cars. that's another, yep. another uh, video we're going to put up online. So, yeah, you'll yep. have it uh, after this chat, and in a few days we'll put that up. So, thanks for your awesome. time. Awesome.
2: No worries. Thank you. All the best. All right, mate. YouTube. See ya. Thanks, Paul. See ya. And a car's in the top 10 as well. This man, well, he is here because he won the Summonats Burnout Championship in 2018. Had automatic selection to uh, come into the. Burnout Masters, field, and then look at the smoke, he is serious. Of course, small block Chevrolet, we see so many big blocks these days. Still retains and runs the uh, small 377 Cuba.
3: Oh no, he's hit the wall again with the right rear. Similar to the last time we saw him in the Masters, but it happened at the other end of the pad with the other side of the car. Oh, you've
0: got to be kidding! Is that the moment for Tough Street?
2: We've seen earlier out in the year, out at uh, Red Center Nats, and now that foot buried hard up against the uh, the engine bay
0: firewall. Bang! In unison, the rear tyres let go. It was a great skid for Tough Street. All right, welcome back. Now, this is a chat I'm really looking forward to have. We've got Matthew Everingham here. He's one of the uh, country's best automotive shooters. I say you'd pretty go, much, go pretty good in the, in the scheme of the world, mate. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> I know you're a humble
4: fellow. Uh I don't know, man. I'm too short sure <laughs> to make calls like
0: that. Um, I just, just enjoy what I do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, um, just for the viewing style, I've been kicked out of the house. I've been sitting out of the back now, so my family running muck inside. So uh and obviously you're a dad too Matt so it's crazy life right being uh yeah, working in this game and and finding time to somehow work and make a life of it
4: Yeah well, I'm um you're kicked out and I'm kicked in I've been locked into the <laughs> uh into the office I've got the doors shut I've got the chains on the outside I've got the baby gate shut downstairs hopefully I'm not going to promise that we're going to be uninterrupted but fingers crossed man
0: Yeah fingers so, for those people who might not know, give us a bit of a background on, on you know, what you're up to these days and and uh, you know who you're shooting for.
4: Oh, so um, freelance. So um, a lot of my stuff at the moment is for Street Machine, which um, yep. most of the dudes watching this will be fairly familiar with. Um, I do a lot of stuff for Speed Hunters as well, which is like an online blog that studies more car culture instead of just cars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's open to pretty much everything. So V8s, little Japanese rockets, crazy Russian sleds, just whatever you want. It's there. There's yep. a cool story. Um, and aside from that, man, I'm just shooting for a few local businesses and stuff like that. Just um, trying to keep things ticking over during this like a weird COVID time. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm still enjoying. I'm enjoying what I'm what I'm doing. So um, getting to hang out with cars and take pics. That's all you really. That's all I can really ask for.
0: I think if people have spent a bit of time around the street machine scene or uh, any, any digital online content, someone somewhere has come across one of your photos, that's for sure. I th- there's, you know, you're obviously at so many events and, and you've done so much stuff for a number of publications. A lot of people you know, just would have tripped over your stuff at some point.
4: Yeah, yeah, man. Um, over, over the years, so I've been shooting for uh, maybe like 10 years now and I've shot for pretty much every mag in the country. Um, Ferrari, Audi, Mazda, so some of those little annoying uh, photos that pop up on the side of Facebook. Yeah, maybe a couple of those are mine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's good. Like a, and I enjoy being able to shoot like a really wide variety. Yeah. So, um, like, obviously, I've, I've got, my, got my little favorite niches that I like to shoot more than other things. But um, overall, just like, like the way that I'm positioned in the middle of everything, Means that I can
0: like walk between all the different little scenes and niches. Um, yeah,
4: that's that's yeah,
0: that's pretty awesome. I really love a lot of your candid stuff you take. You know, like that's when people aren't paying attention. You you've got a really great eye for that, mate. And I really just enjoy going through the albums and stuff when your content comes out with your photos. Looking through there, I know there's always going to be some some great shots in that sort of style.
4: Yeah, cheers, man. I um I like being a ninja, so. <laughs> uh yeah i like catching people off guard and just trying to shoot like those natural yep. moments so like um i guess because i spend a lot of time like staging and setting up and putting the lights over here and everything over there like um it's like refreshing and it's nice to capture those little tiny things that happen like in a split second Yeah. Uh, and i sort of feel like i'm like i'm out there hunting for those moments because like if you if you're not ready and you miss it it's gone you can't walk yep. up and get them to recreate it so yeah for me, probably my main enjoyment when I shoot events is trying to capture those little tiny split second things. That um, yeah, like it's it's, it's now or never. That's that's probably my main my main thrill for shooting events.
0: Yeah, it shows, mate. Because I, I always look forward to those galleries that go up. If if you've been somewhere and the content's published, and obviously I always look through. I know that there's going to be some really great shots like that. What's what's the secret to being a ninja like that? Do you sort of just stay away from it? <laughs> just I guess you just got to be active and move around everywhere
4: yeah so uh one of the things that really helps is having uh like a longer lens yeah i mean we'll be happy with a longer lens right <laughs> but, um, it means you can stay further away uh, people don't notice you there yeah and yeah i don't know like if i'm walking around i'm sort of always scanning what's going on i mean I'm obviously i'm trying to take in as much of the event as i can yep. on a personal level but i'm always sort of scanning sort of like um like Arnie in Terminator, how he's got like the red eyes and the crosshairs. <laughs> um, and if I see something, I'll I'll just like pick it up and just shoot off a few frames. And yeah. if I've got something great, well then that's awesome. And if I don't, well uh, I don't need to go to the gym because I've just lifted up. Some, um, some big <laughs> what's
0: some it's of the weird. cool? What's some of the coolest events you like going to and shooting the most? Like what sort of the ones in the calendar you go? To? I can't wait for that.
4: Uh some of that's obviously, um, just because it's so different and it's a. Yeah. Uh, so wild um that's 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 um probably or you know it's probably my equal favorite there's another event over in wa called um race wars yeah and it's it's um thousand meter drag racing uh top speed max velocity um the cars over there are really wild um and not wild as in that they've all got eight million horsepower but yeah like you never know what what you're going to get there could be like a, a Hennessy Viper, and that could be parked next to yeah, like wow. a to Camry that guys have like stripped the whole chassis off. of like there'll just be a shell that'll be next to some diesel spewing Azuzu, <laughs> which will be next to like an RX-7. Oh man, it's just yeah, it's, it's just awesome. And if if you are one of those blokes that's okay appreciating different types of cars, and you're not stuck to a brand. Uh, it's it's heaven, and the, yeah. the, the 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 crowd over there. Like they support those wild cars too. Like they're just all they're just they're just madmen. They're all
0: just loose units and um The WA scene is, is huge, right? It's huge.
4: Yeah, it's 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 massive over there. And um yeah. it's like a really good mix of people. Yeah. Um like obviously they take their cars seriously enough to spend the dolls on them to make them proper. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're all pretty relaxed and um like they're 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 really ready to have a joke and yeah, they're just there to muck around and have a good time, really. It's um, yeah. it's what I think it's what I think cars are about. So I just relate to it. But they're yeah. not too events. Um yeah, Motorsports obviously nice. really cool because you get really close to the action. Yeah. Um, probably never going to be able to afford a supercar, or never going to have the skill to pilot a, a Porsche GT3 around the track. But um, yeah, getting on the other side of the armco and getting as close as you possibly can. That's always a – you know, that, that, that's part of one of the reasons why I, I picked up a camera and I thought, you know, well, I'm going to have a go at events just yeah. so I could get, get as close to the
0: action as I could. Yeah, you know? yeah. Being that, no doubt a cameraman's uh, positioning on some of the racetracks around anywhere or at events, you, get, you really get the best spots because, I mean, there's, it's, you've got to be able to get the best shots and some of those best spots often, you know, dictate – it's like you th- think if you're sitting on, uh, you know, some on a on a specific corner on Bathurst or something like that, like you'd you'd get shots, unbelievable shots where the public not allowed to go. Yeah,
4: there's a mad shot. There's like a little ridge just on the other side of the fence, just underneath the, the bridge at Skyline. Yeah. And you look up and you can see the the sky underneath, like in between the road uh, and the wheels on the car. Yeah. Uh, and they like they come barreling down, man. It's yeah, it's a rush. Yeah, probably not yeah. as exciting driving the thing, but um, it's as close <laughs> as you want to get. And, yeah, um, absolutely. When you're a short bloke like me, it's always advantageous to get in front
0: of all the tall blokes at the
4: line. You know. <laughs> Is
0: it? What's the? What sort of cars are you into, Matt? What's the, like? What's your? You know, if your? What's your scene? Would you call it? You know, like what's the? What gets you interested?
4: Man, I'm pretty eclectic. It's sort of the same with music. Um like I, I currently drive an Evo nine mm-hmm. um and for the last bunch of years I've um I've sort of been sort of more around like little little JDM cars. Um GTRs any like a a big thing for me. I've you know, got a soft spot for those. Yeah. But um yeah, like I, I also like I grew up with a Holden family, so you know, I still still like all the big Commodores and Yeah, I, I pretty much everything, man um oh well, if, if there's a car in front of me i'll, I'll try to find something interesting yeah uh, i think the only cars i don't really like are um just like ones that commute to work and back if there's no <laughs> yeah. story i don't care i want yeah. the story behind the car
0: if you could describe your photography style uh, i'm certainly a big fan of it if you could describe it though to someone who ha- you know has never seen your photography before you know yeah. how would you des- describe it to someone
4: I don't think I've ever been asked this question before, and I don't know if I can answer it. But um, <laughs> like I got, I got two styles, so I'd say that it needs two answers. So the like setup stuff is sort of like hyper real. Yeah. So I try to make it look as good as it could possibly be in real life without going too far. Yeah. Um. But you know, even like overriding that, I guess for my events and my and even the, um, like, as long as I don't have a brief, I'd say it's a bit, like, it's a bit moody. Like, I try to throw a bit more of a feeling into it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say, maybe I'd say, yeah, it's a bit more emotive. Like, I try to, yeah, I try to, try to stick some, some feels in there, which is a really dumb way to answer your question, but... um, No, absolutely. I always, I, 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 just, I, I was can't thinking...
0: I think of a better way to do it. <laughs> I was thinking but, even you know, like, as I was, I was asking the question, what, you know, what, what, would I, what do I think is like a you know a fan of your work is it's always seemed to me I's got ai mean everybody interprets things differently right it's it's got a really they've got a really warm feeling about them it. I and it's kind of like a lot going on like you can sense what the next moment will be almost or what could it yeah. be you know kind of like it's it captures like it has an emotion it's like I really enjoy that that stuff that you do with that and what's I mean let's throw it out there what's some advice to some young photographers because the more photograph great you know, people taking great photos around the country, the more cool stuff we see online, you know. What's some yeah, advice yeah. you'd give to a, a young up-and-coming photographer?
4: Take a million photos. <laughs> people ask, how did you get that photo? So I took a million shit ones before I took it. <laughs> yeah. um, and be really critical of yourself. Like when you take a great photo and, and you know it's great, um, look at it and ask yourself, why is this a good photo? And if you've taken a bunch of other photos and they're all a bit average and a bit crap, or ask yourself why, why does this photo suck? Why don't I feel anything? What could I have done differently? Um, that's that's my way of doing it. And that's that's what I did when I first started and I still do it now. So every time I finish an event or I finish a, like a feature for Street Machine or what, for whatever the job is, any time I pick up the camera, when I get back to my desk and look through those photos, I ask myself, what have I done right? And what could I have done better? And I yep. try not to make the
0: same mistake more than once. But I am pretty stupid, so it happens. <laughs> We're all a bit stupid, mate. <laughs> that's just the way that's just the way life is. But you know, uh, Yeah, I guess if they, if someone's taking a million shots, like for every great photo you see if someone's like you said, maybe there's a million shit ones, you don't you don't know. I mean, it's people should just I think it would it be fair to say don't need a uh, great to have a twenty thousand dollar camera. Oh, dude, you,
4: I, I uh, ab- absolutely. Um Absolutely. People yeah. who yeah. people who hide behind gear are basically just making excuses for, for for their lack of vision, I guess. Which sounds pretty harsh. Yeah. But ultimately, it's kind of true. Um, like I shot a billboard on like the, the cheapest level entry camera, um, like a hundred years ago, yeah. And, and some of the some photos that I really enjoy, um, I've taken on my phone, man. Yeah. Like phones are at a point now where you can come away with some really good stuff. Um, yeah. The trick is just to think about what you're shooting before you start clicking the button. Maybe you could frame it a bit better. Maybe there's something distracting over here on the side of the frame where you could sort of just move it out and it tidies it up a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you just got to think about what you're doing before you hit the button.
0: That's, that's probably an important tip as well. Yeah. Perfect, mate. Well, thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate, obviously, your time and and look forward to seeing more of your work through 2021 no doubt see you at Summonats 34 and maybe some other events on the lead yeah, to man. that
4: yeah man always happy to come out thanks for having
0: me welcome mate mad, I like your, sh- yeah, I like yeah. your shirt mate yeah
4: mate pretty good buddy got to support our local talent
0: you know yeah, there, um, a bit wild that's right mate It's whether you're a photographer whether you're a, a silly bugger online or whatever it's all just creativity and it's just keeping keeping a you know Smile on people's faces—that's the main thing. It, man. keeping it fun, keeping it real. That's it, That's amazing, mate. Making cool shit. 100%. All right, man. Thanks, buddy. It's been well, mad. <laughs> it has been mad, mate. You're one of my favourite people, so it's been great to to have you on as, a, you know, as obviously on the podcast and just to have a chat. Because, uh, yeah, fanny of work, and yeah, I look forward to having to be with you soon, mate. Yeah, mate. Well, cheers to you, and we'll hopefully we'll catch up sooner than later. Absolutely, mate. We talk to you soon, mate. Okay. Eh? Bye, See you, mate. Soon. See you,
3: bro. Bye, mate. <laughs> Dad.
0: Anest iWater. What is that you say? Listen. Anest iWater brings to the Australian market a wide range of equipment for the spraying of liquid coatings. Nice. These may be for automotive uses, both at production and refinish levels. They can even supply equipment for the beauty and film industries where it is possible to spray makeup, airbrush fingernails, body art, and spray on imitation suntans. Because who wouldn't want to have a suntan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right on the Burson Garage HP HQ podcast, we often get lots of different styles of guests from elite builders in cars to some guys who know how to bang tyres better than anybody else. I'm sure Trent knows how to smash a few tyres and he certainly loves cars. He's the managing editor of Car Advice and, mate, there's no doubt you've driven some very cool stuff over the years and we're just saying off air then, but, you know, obviously provide a lot of the news that Australians read and need, need to know often, you know, often it's not just, you know, the, the cool stuff, it's things that happen in the industry and, Tell us what's happening in life, mate, and tell us what's going on at Car Advice. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, interesting
3: intro there, mate. You said all different styles of guests. I'd say that this guest has got no style at all, so that's a good, that's oh, a good No, that's not, that's
1: not true. He's got a bit of style. I said he back in the
0: day he had a bit of style. Yeah, I had more hair back then, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> I'd almost say the whole, the, whole, the whole panel here, mate, is style. Yeah, style. we don't talk about that.
3: Uh, look, it, it's been a really interesting 12 months, guys, obviously. I've been at Car Advice now for seven years. Um, Owen will probably... Um, not want to remember this, but I've known him for at least 20 or close oh, to no. 20, I think, <laughs> when we first met. Absolutely. You, and I, you and I met a few years ago now as well, obviously. Yep. Yep. Um, but it's been really interesting for me because I started off on what I would call your side of the industry, which is modified aftermarket, um, you know, messing around with your own cars. That's where I started. And then I ended up on this side of the industry, which is uh, new cars, the entire new car market, um, and road testing, all that stuff, as you said, Josh. And I think, um, you know, Car Advice is one of the biggest editorial-only websites in Australia. We're merged with Drive. We're part of Channel 9. Uh, we do stuff on radio as well. So it's, it's a multifaceted thing. And I think the biggest privilege that I get day-to-day, I reckon, is that we get to help people who are on a budget And on a specific budget, sometimes choose the best car for them and their family. So that's what I see my job as. I see it less as self-serving in terms of um, you know worrying about all the cool stuff I'm driving, and it's more about helping people choose the right car for them. Yeah, Yeah. I
0: think the the cool car driving thing. I think that lasts a few years, and then (laughs) it becomes it becomes start to become a bit more. It's sort of the it's still no doubt fun, but the objective becomes a bit more you know objective about it all, and it becomes you know no doubt.
3: Yeah, well, we had this funny situation last week uh, in the garage here in Sydney because we've got offices in Sydney and Melbourne. I'm up in mm-hmm. Sydney, uh, and we had an Aston Martin DBX in the uh, garage, which is their new SUV. Um, which has got, you know, a silly, overly powerful AMG engine, which is just about perfect, and it sounds loud and raucous. And we've been tiptoeing around in it because, of course, cars like that, you breathe on the accelerator and you're going to lose your licence in Australia. Um, And we've been tiptoeing around in that, and then I got out of it and I said, you know what, I'd actually rather get back in that Kia Picanto I've got down the end of the the driveway there, which was like a little 20 grand, you know, three-cylinder turbo um so yeah you're right i think the other thing too is to remember that and and i guess you know my dad always used to say to me that you never forget where you came from and one of the things i always valued about what i did when i first started in the industry with people like owen and all the people that i met in the industry is they're real people working on cars often in their own garage often in their own shed their own blood, sweat and tears. And there's something really authentic about that. And I, I never wanted to lose touch with the fact that the average Australian isn't driving a Ferrari. The average Australian isn't driving a Lamborghini or something crazily expensive. That's why things like medium SUVs and dual cabs and Toyota Land Cruisers and stuff like that, that's why they're so popular in the new car market because the average Australian, the authentic Australian, um, is driving something that's a lot more middle of the road, so to speak.
1: Yeah. So just on that, you mentioned there, Trent, how did you actually get into the industry? What was
3: your first role? Yeah. So completely by luck, Owen, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, we talk about this a lot that, um, It's difficult in our industry, um, in the journalism side of the industry, that there's very few jobs. You know, like you look at at any of the titles that we've known over the years, you look at a title like Street Machine, there's X amount of jobs on that magazine and on that website and that's it. So there might be 10,000 people that want to do the job but there's only a certain number of jobs. So for me, I didn't know anyone when I started out. I did have a university degree in journalism but I didn't know anybody in the industry but I obviously had a love for cars and I had worked on cars and been involved with cars with my dad from when I was a kid, um, from a very young age, honestly. So I, I applied for a job at what was then Auto Salon Magazine, which you yeah. would remember, Owen. Yeah. Uh, and a bunch of guys that had worked on Hot Fours had left and started up uh, Auto Salon Magazine and the whole show series and everything that went with it. Uh, Damon Dupre was a guy who was editing it at the time, who you, all, you guys also know. Um, And he'd worked on a couple of different magazines like Hot Fours and Car Audio Australia, a bunch of different stuff. Um, And I applied for a job there and got a job as a staff writer. Um, And the rest is history. From there, I stayed sort of in magazine land until give or take seven or eight years ago. And then when I started at Car Advice, it was purely online. But for the first probably something like 10 years, it was all about cars and all about modified
0: cars for me. Back when it was back when it was easy just to to take a car for a drive and ride it and take a few photos. Now you have got to make video on top and do a lot more stuff. There's so much more involved in the job now, right?
3: Absolutely, and I mean that's how you know that's how Owen and I got to know each other back in the day. You know, right. we'd, meet, we'd meet up at a workshop or we'd meet up at a paint shop, an engine builder, yeah. um, and we'd talk to the owners. We'd spend time there. We'd run tech stories on what they were doing. Yeah, uh, a lot of people were um, a lot of people were building cars. And one of the things that Owen did uh, when he came to, to spend time with us at Auto Salon was brought the Summonat street machine muscle yep. car hot rod type building ethos to the late model style of cars. And yep. I, I, you, you probably remember this, Owen, but that was one yep. of the reasons that the guys approached you as a judge in the first place was to, to lift that level of build quality yeah, um, and yeah, we used to spend hours at, at workshops talking to
0: the guys building the cars, and for me, that was one of the greatest privileges, really. Yeah, yeah. I, remember, I remember going to uh, visit a workshop with uh, yourself, Webby, and when I was working at Hot Fours there um, with Mohammed Ibrahim when he had the yep. he was bringing out the the E forty six M three drag car yeah. with the rotary. Yeah. We went. I, I sort of didn't realise back then, but I realise now, being in you know working with you for for you know a couple of years now, that you. You probably they want to these guys want to win shows and sometimes it's often cool to, to you know get a judge's opinion before is it you know that's yeah, pretty common
1: absolutely and that mm. that was something that uh, I used to do a
0: fair bit of that with Trent and
1: and yep. uh, it was interesting looking back at what you were saying there and I, I, I sort of it just evolved I guess but when you how you how you uh, brought that that message across is exactly how it was we used to go out and yeah and try and help those guys and guide those guys and build that industry and. And that turned it that Cars ended up like Muhammad was building, but also Mark Tarabay, Look, look at that yeah. fifteen yeah. that they had. That was yeah. just that was as good as any muscle yeah. car, street machine car. So, at industry, yeah, definitely, definitely. I was, I was told role. with Mark,
0: with Mark's car. I was told uh, if I don't come back from the run of sh- the auto salon shows in twenty ten with Mark's car shot ready for the cover of Hot Force two hundred, not to come back. <laughs> not, to come. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not to come back at all. And and the point Owen makes there it
3: write down Josh to. You know, these guys would ask Owen about paint colour. They'd yeah. say to Owen, you know, I know what brand of paint I want to use or I know basically where I want to go, but as a judge with your insight, what colour should I paint this car to get maximum impact? And I think what was really interesting in that part of the that part of the way that scene had developed was, you know, unlike you know, if you're building an XW Falcon and you pull it out of a barn, it's not going to have good paint on it generally. So you have to paint that car in order to make it a custom car. But what was really interesting in the early days of Auto Salon was that guys, S15, perfect example, you're starting with a brand new S15 that's got really good factory paint. Car might only be six months old. And a lot of the guys were not accustomed to painting the car. So even that was just a big change for the guys to think, well, you know, this is another step that I can take to make my car stand out. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But, yeah, that's really good. And, hey, Josh, what that's given me an idea is we, uh, we should do a podcast on some of that, how that industry evolved. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, talk, mate. Talk to some of those guys because uh, yeah. Brian and, and Mark and all those guys, yeah, Yeah, yeah hey, absolutely. Let, but Trent, now I know you, you are a car guy and you've had cars. Um, you're you're working on something right at this
3: moment, aren't you? Custom car. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I got a couple. I got a couple in the works actually, Owen. So I've got. Um, I'm myself at the moment in in got in a million pieces a 1968 Volkswagen Country Buggy, which most of your listeners will be going, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> Basically, it's a hideous, ugly little thing that looks like it was designed by a four year old with a crayon. But it sits on a it sits on a beetle floor pan, and it's it's effectively the lowest production Volkswagen built by Volkswagen anywhere in the world. So I'm messing around with that. But the big project that um, I'm having done at the moment is my 1966 Chevy C10. Um, Um, That's up with the guys at United Speed Shop, which you and most of your listeners will have heard of. Um, I've known Ryan for a long time. Back when we did Auto Salon magazine, Ryan used to do all the renderings for All the drawings, yeah, exactly. I remember that. Um, So I spoke to Ryan on and off, and and one of the reasons that I – it's 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 actually the weirdest thing because all the cars I've ever owned and modified, I've done myself. So I've either done them myself or with my father or with a mate in my own garage in a mate's workshop and, you know, I'll just go and spend a night or a weekend on it. This is the first time I've ever sort of just handed a car off and said to someone else, can you build it for me? But the reason I did it was because um, I've not ever really messed around with a properly late model fuel injected engine. Um, so my truck's going to have an LS3, l 80 um, anyway. and a whole bunch of modern hardware underneath it. And the other thing I wanted to do, Owen, was I wanted to convert to right-hand drive. So yeah. um, the guys are doing that as well. And it was just something that I thought I'm going to need it built to a certain standard to meet all the engineering expectations anyway. Um, United Speed Shop do this kind of work with their eyes closed. They've built a couple, as you know, like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's at the point now where I think the chassis is about ready to be powder coated and sort of start building it back up again. Um, and it's for me and and you guys and most of your listeners too will know exactly what I'm saying here. This particular build, the way that it's being done, especially with the late model running gear is something I've always wanted to do and I've never really quite done it. You know, I had a, before the truck, I had a 65, Buick Riviera that had been converted to right-hand drive back in the '60s, and and I loved that car, but it just had the old nail head. It had the old automatic transmission, it had the old steering, the old suspension, and as beautiful as it was, yeah. it just wasn't that enjoyable to drive. To, to drive,
1: yeah, exactly,
3: yeah. exactly. And I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to really modernise. An old vehicle with aircon and power steering and all that stuff. So, you know, I just said to Ryan, "You guys know what you're doing. Go for your life, basically." That's awesome. I
1: love C10s. After spending a lot of time in the US, I just love that model. So, are you patinaing it or painting it? What are you
3: doing? This this will be sort of like uh, nails on a chalkboard for you, Owen, because of how much (laughs) you know and love about paint, but. Yeah, I, I before the before the current crop of cars I've had, I had a uh, a sixty two single cab split screen combi Volkswagen U, and it was the first vehicle I'd ever owned that didn't have nice paint. And what we did was we just sort of restored the old paint on it and put some old sign writing and stuff on it, and it was the most liberating experience I've ever had in my life. I used to wash it once a year. (laughs) Yeah. WD-40 on it and wipe it off with a rag and call it done, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, with with the truck, I I looked at it and I thought it's got just enough paint fade and sort of surface rust and what have you that the patina finish will look really good on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you
3: know, we're cutting out all the rust, we're cutting out all the crusty stuff and, and making it uh, right. Yeah. But, yeah, and, and the funny thing is, and, and as a painter, you'll know exactly what I mean by this, it's actually it's actually harder to take rubbish average 50-year-old paint and try to match new paint to it than it is to strip the whole car and start again.
0: It's it
3: is. Like, yeah. It is, 100%. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to go down that road. But when you look underneath it, when you look inside all the guards and what have you, it'll all be the, the, the underneath section of the sheet metal is all going to be done in either Rhino liner or Raptor yep. coat, so it'll be nice yep. and resistant to yep. stone chips because I intend on driving it. Um, and then, yeah, just just the outside surfaces will just be the old faded paint. That's absolutely awesome, mate. I can't wait to see it. That, yep. uh,
1: yeah. There's two, two other things I want to run by you um, because of what you're doing. It's obviously I want to touch on the, the future of, yeah. mate, when you said the future of the industry, car industry in general, but also um, the price of cars at the moment, like um, modified cars. Mm. Is, uh, gee, oh, it's outrageous, isn't it? Like that, E H. had just sold for ninety two thousand. The yeah. Falcon had went for one
0: over a million. So, what's your thoughts pry. on all that? I can yeah. cry. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah,
3: completely out of control.
0: It's funny. If I my, didn't like you guys, I'd hang up. I don't like talking about this because it hurts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I'm just interested in, in
0: your take on it, on Fred. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really it's it's really interesting. I'll
3: answer the second question first, <laughs> Owen. Um, it my first car was an E H. Holden. It was a uh, factory ordered premier manual so the premiers wow. is all auto but it was all auto, yeah and it had it had a bunch of k's on it and i got my p's uh in 1993. so it was almost a 30 year old car right and my dad and i went halves in it um and i drove the car around i think i had it nearly 10 years actually and it was i don't know I, my dad paid four and a half grand for it and i sold it for seven or something you know 10 years later but, but the value of these old cars has just exploded. And I've had a bunch of mates, as you'd expect, saying, I'm thinking of selling my pick whatever car it might be. And I've said to them, look, if you really can sell it without feeling like you then want to jump off a cliff for having made the wrong decision, um, if you're actually happy to get rid of your old car, now is the time to do it because yeah. the, the value of them is going through the roof. What I do speculate about, and we talk about this a lot at the office, There's only, though, a very certain type of person that looks at a Falcon for a million bucks or a, and it could be a phase three, it could be, you know, one of the last Commodores, a last HSV or whatever. There's only a very specific type of person that looks at that car and sees that sort of value in it. And I wonder whether, you know, in 20 years' time, does a kid that's 15 now or a 10-year-old kid now, look at a car like that and see that value in it? Or because they've come into a world that's full yes. of hybrids and plug-in hybrids and electric vehicles, do, do they not even care?
1: That's, that's exactly yeah. why I asked you that question because I talked to a couple of people and I actually think where there's only probably another one or two generations that, right. that wear that, that value, that see that value. Otherwise, I, I think I people think if like it's to say,
0: from, like, say, my kids will probably have that bug, you know. Yeah, so it's not really from that background. They won't be able to just latch onto it as a side passion thing because. Well, the thing is, be to, like, oh, to Owen's that's... point, Josh,
3: we're 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 sort of moving further away. Like, if my my mum used to drive me to primary school in an XWGT Falcon, which my yeah. dad had bought, and it was effectively the family car. So let's right? yeah. call it 1981, give or take. Right? Yeah. So, you know, at that point, you're driving an 11 or 12-year-old car, somewhere around that. Yeah. Um, for me, I've got really strong memories of that car and, and probably it's the one of the reasons I'm into cars as much as I am. Now... If I get to the point where I've got the money to afford an XWGT Falcon, especially if it's reef green with a saddle interior, I'm, I'm likely <laughs> to want to buy that car because yeah. I remember it as a kid. Now, yeah. I'll probably get in it once and go, what have I done? You know, like the the memory, the memories of what it was like and what it's like to drive now are completely different. But you remember the smell and everything. All yeah, absolutely. The smell of the vinyl, the, the way that it felt to sit in the seat, the, yeah. you know, that how noisy and obnoxious the engine was, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that... How so high you were from the petrol fumes, fumes in the back seat. <laughs> that's it. But I'm in my mid-40s now, right? So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Does, does a, does a 20... You know, if a... We've seen it with Japanese cars. So now the, the value of things like 200 SXs and WRXs and Evo Lancers and stuff's Crazy. gone through the roof, probably because that next generation under us,
0: so the kids that are yeah. 20, they remember that when they were kids, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's upsetting because, I, I mean, I... That car for me when I was a kid was a VBSLE uh, dark silver with red velour trim and a pop sunroof. And that's what I was driven around from a baby till about 89. And then my dad sold it for, don't even want to say how much and swapped it for a Nissan Pulsar or <laughs> N13 or something. What a piece of shit. But anyway, um, <laughs> compared to that, anyway, uh, it, it is it is sad. And I, I never really thought about it like that until you said that, Trent, that maybe it's high now because the people who are maybe getting to that Stage where maybe they've got a bit of money and that was the car what they wanted when they were a kid. Correct. You know, you really have to loll. You almost need to have a house in Point Piper to afford a VL Commodore these days. You know, like yeah,
3: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and the other
0: thing too, I think, and, and Owen, this would be the case
3: with older stuff as well. You know, the amount of people that have said to my dad over the years, why would you get rid of the XW, for example? Yeah. Yeah. My dad's answer was it was just a car that you drove around in in 1975. Absolutely. You bought another one for three grand, didn't matter. No one bought them and thought, oh, I've got to put this thing on jack stands in the garage in dry storage and I'm going to pull it out in 50 years and I'm going to become a millionaire. No one ever considered that.
1: Absolutely. I worked at a done my apprenticeship at a Ford dealership in the Southern Highlands, Barrel, so there's always a bit of money around. And we yeah. used to sell probably a GT every couple of months. Yeah. And that, they were for people to pull boats, horse yeah. floats, whatever. That's yeah. why they bought them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. I'm sure they weren't like even money style back then. They were probably expensive to a certain degree. Yeah, up to five grand, four and a half, five grand. But yeah. And then – well, how much was the salary back then? You reckon it felt like a – yeah, Average probably ten worker. or eleven thousand a year or something like yeah. that. Okay, so really attainable. So like a you yeah. like buying like yeah. a thirty grand car now, I guess, something yeah. like that. Or yeah. Yeah, interesting. It's so it, it is. It's interesting sad. where that's where that's all going.
1: But uh, so what do you actually see as sort of the future of the industry now that there's no car
3: industry here trend in Australia? What do you see so I think one of the things that I think is really sad is that we've lost a lot of that engineering now. So I think yeah. you know it's Very it's much. It's one thing to say we don't build cars here anymore, and I don't like to get too misty-eyed about that because some of that is the reality of the modern market. You know, we don't build televisions here, we don't build tennis rackets, we don't build yeah. night shoes. You know, there's a whole bunch of things we don't build. Unfortunately, cars are now on that list. I remember once my dad and I were going to a suspension shop on Parramatta Road, somewhere around Granville it would have been um, thereabouts. And my dad grew up in Fairfield in the western suburbs, Owen, and I think one of the reasons I'm as passionate about this stuff as I am is because my my mum was born in Australia but my dad was born in Italy and he was the first generation that came here from his family and went, hang on, we can afford a car and we can afford a really cool car Mm, and mm. they could actually set themselves free. So I remember my dad telling me that when he was a kid you could start at one end of Parramatta Road, and, and for listeners who are outside of New South Wales, you know, main arterial road that goes from the suburbs out into the city, you could start at one end of Parramatta Road with an engine block and by the time you got to the city, you'd have a fully constructed engine because yeah, a guy that did camshafts and a guy that did pistons. Correct, correct. That guy was a machinist and whatever. And a lot of that engineering now, so I think, unfortunately goes. So I think... That is a real problem um, in terms of the overall understanding of the motor vehicle in Australia. Um, In your side of the world, Owen, you know, finding a young bloke that knows how to use an English wheel, for example, is less and less prevalent than it used to be. Um, My dad's a toolmaker by trade, so he talks about a lot of that stuff and that hands-on ability to manufacture things that we don't do it as much as we used to. Um, But then... When I do tend to get a little bit down on the whole thing, because, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little bit unique in my side of the world where most motoring journalists in Australia don't really love or own older cars. They're all yeah. about what is current Correct. And what's really new. And, of yeah. course, there are exceptions, but I'm just talking about the majority of them. Um, and I do get a bit down on it. But then, you know, and we all missed SEMA last year, as we set off air. But when I was at SEMA in 2019, I saw that, Chevrolet had released that E-Crate package that they were putting in and they put it in a truck like mine. It was in a 66 C10, funnily enough. And I thought, you know what, maybe this isn't as dire forward thinking um, as I thought it was, you know. I I had a chat to Jonathan Ward who owns Icon 4x4 and he has a series of cars that he does called Derelicts. Um, Mm. And for anyone who isn't familiar with them, Go to his website icon4x4.com and have a look. It, it's unbelievable. He started off doing modernised versions of FJ uh, Land Cruisers, and now he does all this crazy stuff. And he had, I think it was a 50 Mercury, actually, from memory, um, that had a full Tesla drivetrain in it, mm-hmm. and it, it was all ratty looking. It looked like it looked to all extents and purposes like a quintessential lead sled from that era, done perfectly well, but with a full Tesla drivetrain. And I thought. You know what? If if that if that is where we have to move in order for us to be able to still see these classic vehicles on the road, I can live with that. And I know yeah. it's easy to say because we've all experienced a V eight engine or a you know a turbocharged six cylinder engine or whatever it might be. But I don't think the future is probably as bleak as we thought. And one of the other things too, and I spend a lot of time reminding people of this is even if the Australian government mandated tomorrow that from 2030 you can only sell electric or hybrid vehicles. It doesn't mean we won't be able to drive the old ones that we've already got. Yeah,
1: yeah,
3: you know, yeah that's we, right. We can, the, the analogy that was told to me, and I kind of wish I'd thought of this, um, but I didn't. Someone else did. They said, you know, when we changed from the horse and cart to the motor car, it didn't mean that there were no horses left. No, that's right. I, I often think about it the in the way the... that we used them. So yeah. like before, a yeah. horse used to be a mode of transport to get from yeah. A to B. But then, when the motor car came along, the horse became something that you used on weekends for a leisure activity, which is kind of the way we use all our old our classic cars, cars now. Absolutely, yeah.
0: I, I guess it's sort of like you look. I look at Formula One, and I think when if when the switch happened to, to hybrid one point six V six stuff, I kind of like. I'm like, yeah, we'll check out this season to be good. Yeah, first first practice session, I'm like, this is shit. Yeah. They sound terrible. <laughs> like they sound terrible, but now I still watch every race and it's get up and I kind of don't mind the sound now, but I've kind of forgotten about, oh, I remember the V8 until I hear it in like a demo or something like that with Alonso with the Renault last year or Well, whenever. I had
3: that happened to me, Josh. I was at Albert Park the first year that they went to those 1.6s and the whole field oh. came around really close bunch to each other and then about 10 minutes later when they parked those cars, the Minardi two-seater came around with the old V10 engine. <laughs> it was louder than the entire field of yeah. the you know,
0: and I just—I reckon no, Melbourne, chiropractors a, a, Melbourne chiropractors would have made them. Would have made us. Melbourne chiropractors would have made squillions that week, and people would just walk around shaking their head, going, "What has happened?" Honestly. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: but the That's point I was trying to make was that we're kind of used to it now. The new sort of stand—if you know, like it's maybe we'll get used to that. I just want to know that if i, I don't know if—is lithium ion in the future? Are we going to just see 100 garages on fire every day? You know, in 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 well, 10 years when they're old, and where I do we think, dump this stuff?
3: I think the most interesting. Thing that we're looking at at the moment, and, you know, this is just my opinion, so Mm. obviously it's open for debate, but I don't know that electricity is the full stop. I don't know if it's the end answer. I have a feeling that hydrogen... Hydrogen.
0: It's definitely hydrogen. Webby's hard hydrogen, Yeah, absolutely.
3: Probably where we end up. And there's a whole range of reasons for that. I think electricity doesn't work if you're trying to drive a semi-trailer across the Nullarbor. Correct. um, it doesn't work if you're trying to use a light pantech truck it doesn't work tow vehicles if you're a if you're a truckie that hauls cars around doesn't work um, i think hydrogen provides that solution i have test driven toyota's hydrogen technology in california um and the interesting thing about it is you don't need to change your driving habits. You just get in the car, drive it like you normally would, go to a station, fill it up, like more like you would LPG. LPG. LPG,
1: yeah. If yeah.
3: you fill it up, it takes five minutes and, and away you go, the same as filling up with petrol. So I think that hydrogen, once they work out a less uh, energy-dense way of producing it and storing it and transporting it and it becomes more environmentally friendly, that's probably the way that we go because the big problem with uh, electric power that, you know, we, we keep thrashing this debate out, but while ever you're using battery packs that are made of lithium, iron and cobalt and stuff that you've got to dig out of the dirt, whatever you are a car uh, that in the case of an electric vehicle mm. is significantly less energy efficient when it leaves the production line than a regular yeah. car, and, and if you were to hook that up to electricity that's solar powered from the day that you buy it, it takes something like seven years to get it to a point where it's level with where the internal combustion car was built to start. With yeah. Whether that is the technology, I, I don't think the environmental credentials are there either. There's less tailpipe emissions, there's less exhaust emissions, mm-hmm. but I think everywhere else it falls down.
0: I often think about the load too. The load on the load on houses. Like, what if everybody in my suburb just a regular suburb in the Illawarra? all the street was loaded with electric cars loading every night. Is that what's going to happen? to the the poles going to be glowing out the front? I don't know, you know. Well, that's a problem as well. That's the problem as well. We had a guy ring up from South
3: Australia the other day and say, listen, we have a blackout down here when it's a hot day and everyone puts their air conditioning on in Adelaide, let yeah. yeah. alone if everyone's got their electric car charging. Um, there's so much more that's got to happen to the infrastructure. Yeah. If, say, you've got an apartment building with 200 apartments in it yeah. and everyone wants to charge their car in the underground car park, the the... the electrical system that's currently in that building can't handle that load. So yeah. it'll have to be completely re-engineered. So, yeah, I, I tend to think, and I read some research from the CSIRO the other day saying that the next phase of hydrogen Technology that they're working on will blow everybody away. Not in the sense that it'll blow up and explode, Josh, but <laughs> in, the it will, in the way that it'll blow everyone away, catching their attention, um, yeah. and it will it will change the way that we think of hydrogen. And that's why a manufacturer like Hyundai is probably really smart because they're yeah. the only one still I can think of that does petrol, diesel, um, closed loop hybrid, plug in hybrid, full electric, and
0: hydrogen. They're the only oh manufacturer, wow. and they, yeah. they, they aren't so they, 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 they one of the only ones with their yeah. own hydrogen pump here in 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 the state as well. Yep. I believe that's right. Yeah, 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 unbelievable. So, I really so, like that stuff. So yeah. there you
1: go. So there you go, Trent. I reckon you better pill. Um, pull that LSA out, and then stick a hydrogen in that C10, and we'll see here you go. <laughs> you can be the the next benchmark car, the groundbreaker, mate. Let's go. Do, you can do all that, and Webby no drive you drive
3: past. Go past. They'll just see this rusty <laughs> old truck go by with no noise. <laughs> <laughs> and Webby
0: will drive past in the Camaro, telling everyone to get out of the way. Exactly, <laughs> mate. Look, that's that's absolutely fantastic, uh, Trent. We'll um. Before you, uh, before you go, I was just going to go. say before you go, Webby. There, I thought you were you were about to sign. I was, We've got to, uh, for the people watching, obviously um, it's a cool part of the job, driven some cool stuff. Have you got two or three really cool cars that you've driven in some really cool places that people might be interested in at home? Yeah, yeah. look, I've I've had the opportunity
3: to drive in a bunch of places that most people don't. Um, you know, I've driven on Lake Gairdner. Um, we had the traditional landowners there and they'd given approval for us to drive there. We only had four-wheel drives that time, but, you know, just the opportunity yeah. to drive, the drive on that surface on a place like that that means what it means. Um, you know, things like driving McLarens at Silverstone or driving, uh, you know, a Lamborghini Aventador SVJ that, you know, goes from zero to 100 in 2-point-something seconds yeah. um, on a racetrack in Europe is amazing. I've, I've done things like driven at Laguna Seca, um, you know, which you, as a kid, you watch races at these circuits yeah. and uh, maybe one day I'll get to see it. Let alone get to drive on it, um, and I've driven on so many of the great circuits around the world, Phillip Island included, um, and met some amazing people as well. You know, it's not it's not just about um, yeah. it's not just about the cars that you drive. I remember we did a Porsche event with Porsche officially at Goodwood, and I got the chance to talk to Mark Webber and Walter Rawl, who yeah, Walter wow. Rall's been the Porsche test driver for however long, and Mark Webber's effectively taking over from him as the official Porsche test driver, and just to chat to guys like that and get an understanding of what they do and how they've done it and what their career has led them through. And, you know, we're at a racetrack in Scotland after that with Mark Webber and him and I were chatting in the car park and I was just picking his brains like a fan, you know. I mean, yeah. saying, what, what did you think about this and how would you feel about that? And there was no noise on the track. And he just looked at one of the Porsche engineers and he said, there's no one out there. And, and the bloke said, no, nah, there's a 10-minute break. And he looked at me and he said, do you want to go for a drive? And I said, mate, if you're driving, yeah, 100%. <laughs> he, looked the, he looked at one of the engineers and he said, do you mind if we He pointed at a Cayman GT4, I think, and said, do you mind if I take that out on the track? And the engineer looked at him as if to say, you're Mark Webber, what the hell are you asking me for bike push for?" You? <laughs> so we jumped in and I got to do four laps in the passenger seat with a Formula One driver wringing the Porsche's neck, which just you know it's the stuff of pretty drinking. cool you know, I, yeah. I come back and i tell my dad these stories or i tell my mum these stories and i just say you know would you ever think that a kid from the suburbs that you know just read car magazine instead of studying would, would, would end up with that sort of opportunity and it's been an unbelievable privilege
0: yeah what a crazy, what a crazy moment, mate. i know you'll do plenty of great things in the industry you know in, in the in the next you know 20 years 30 years however long you want to Keep, keep working, no doubt. It's um, it's going to be an interesting landscape, that is for sure. Yeah, That's, mate.
1: that's what I was going to say, Josh, that uh, I think that we're very fortunate, the whole industry, to have um, yeah. guys like Trent that are really yeah, enthusiastic. Passionate guys, yeah. St- still in there. Yeah. But the guy, yeah, I guess the future. So, yeah, well done, mate.
3: Great Thank job. you, mate. And it's, it's been a real privilege to talk to you and your listeners too. And as you know, Owen, I, I've got tremendous respect for where I started and, and how I was able to start and the insight that people like you gave me uh, into to what we do and how we do it. And, you know, as I said to you, as much as I'm going to, you know, clock off today and jump in a brand new car, my heart's always in something that was made in 1960-odd, you know, like it's... Uh, awesome. Yeah, I love it. Real, 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 <laughs> nothing yeah. like, And especially
0: nothing like you're looking forward to finishing your car. Nothing like driving your own car. You can drive all this stuff, with your own car and you're on the roof, your favourite road, yeah. eating your favourite pie shop. None of <laughs> Amen to that, mate. Amen to that. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Right. Thanks, thanks, Trent. Really thanks, appreciate thanks, it. Trent. Yeah. Thanks,
1: guys. And all the best for the future, mate. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll hang in there and do a great job. And the whole car advice seems
3: really good. So, well done. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks. Cheers.
0: Dad. Summonats is the place to go. Everybody's here. Summonats would like you to know that there's some exclusive new merch available now. Cool stuff like this, or this, this, and this, and this. Are we selling G strings? What? There's also merch from previous Summonats events, Burnout Masters merch, and more. Be sure to click the buy now button to secure your exclusive merch. Mad. Do I have to give this shirt back? Can not have a free hat? Mad. Radio, that's another show ticked off. Great chat there with Paul Sandwebby. Webby. I was taking a uh, bit of a nap, mate. <laughs> you were.
1: But, hey, you know, it was a really, really good interview, just like I thought it would be. He's uh, – we, we – I was really interested to find out his first major car, and I thought it was his brother's 57, and, yeah, it was – and what a great car that was! Just an awesome '57 Chevy, and he's still building cars. I don't think he's actually built his best car yet, so can't wait wow. to see what he brings down in the future. That's a big
0: call, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah mm. no doubt. If he does build it, something, you know, he's the, the best one will. I don't know. He's just got some cool stuff coming out. Then, like you said earlier, um, so many unveils and yeah, you know, it's awesome. Good chat with good chat with our uh, Trent.
1: Yeah, I knew that would be good because, like I said in the beginning there, he's just a real car guy. But it was really interesting to just get his take on where he sees the industry. And, mm. look, I, I think for well, definitely in our times there will be still modified cars, but, yeah, see where it all ends up, eh?
0: I hope so, mate, because, you know, this is what we live and breathe. Will we be seeing so modified? Will we be you know doing burnouts in teslas in 30 years at some that, who knows I, I certainly won't be <laughs>
1: and yeah. one thing i was going to touch on there with trent it's interesting i was i saw an article through the week mm. that tesla the tesla company is actually worth more money than mm. all the other car companies in, in yeah, the us insane. put together
0: it's actually worth more money like the general motors or yeah. isn't that just crazy it's crazy, mate, but I really believe, uh, you know, this. The, the hydrogen thing is sort of creeping up, so we, could maybe, we could maybe see a lot of that. So yeah. who, who knows? Also, good chat with Matt. Obviously, he's a, a photo god. So yeah. great to chat with him and give some insight into that side, that side of the industry because, you know, we've, we spoke to a words guy today and we spoke to, you know, obviously the two combined in magazine land for, you know, what was where Trent was no doubt trained from, you know, in the yeah. magazine industry. So... Two, two hardcore magazine guys but yeah really really uh, good to yeah. get that chat through with Matt um, awesome mate this has been a great I've loved this, this uh, episode yeah had some great episodes and
1: when you look back so I'm um, we've only got a couple to go till we get to Rocky
0: next so bring it on I'm so pumped Rocky next so I'm literally not, like I said last time I got my backpack it's a pack <laughs> like I'm let's go let's seriously go, so let's we, better, go. We, we better get going so we can Get even more ready because Rocky Mm. Notes is coming. All right, that's it. Show's done. All right, mate. See you next Tuesday.